0: Hi folks, this is Jack Spearco with another edition of the Survival Podcast. There's always one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life, if times get tough, or even if they don't. Today's Tuesday, January the 8th, 2021, this is episode 2888. 2888 of the Survival Podcast. We have a topic roundtable today. This is where there is some feedback from the audience, but there's also things I've picked out. Uh, there is going to be more news and current events and political ish type stuff in today's episode than is typical. I, I am pretty much a political atheist at this point, I don't trust any of the scum. On either side, or you know, they can bifurcate, trifurcate, quadruplicate. And I still think people that seek power are pretty much the same. Um, but there's some shit going on right now. We just need to cover. We're, we're here's some stuff we're going to talk about today. Um, I'm going to lead off with a great quote to set the stage for today's episode by Daniel Borston. He was a historian, uh, best known in the last century, the 1900s. I think he passed away around 2004, if memory serves me correct. But he has an incredible quote that is more poignant today than it was when he made it many years ago. Then I'm going to talk to you about how ransomware works. Because we're going to talk about this new revelation from Colonial Pipeline and the FBI getting the money back and all this shit. And I think you're going to have to have an understanding of What ransomware really is and how people deal with it all the time to realize how much this story doesn't pass rational sense test. This doesn't make it doesn't logically make any sense from a standpoint of the problem in the first place. And it certainly doesn't make any logical sense to me anyway with how the FBI supposedly got most of the money back. And so I'm also going to explain something to you about what a Bitcoin private key is. I'm going to give you the basic understanding of how Bitcoin works. At a very, very rudimentary level, it will probably take a minute and a half for that piece. Because when we go into the next segment, which is the Columbia Pipeline hack, and what I'm going to tell you, I now see it as a false flag. And if you're new to this show and, you know, survival podcasts and all you, I think, ah, oh, it's another Alex Jones wannabe, everything's a false flag. I, I'm the non-false flag guy. I don't know that I've ever referred to anything On the air before as I think this is a false flag I have said I don't believe the story coming out of this I think it's being manipulated I think you're being lied to but straight up this is a false flag I don't think anybody's ever heard me say those words before today when I finish this I'll tell you what as always I reserve the right to be wrong but it's the most logical conclusion a person with a most rudimentary understanding of technology would come to here this doesn't make any sense and then we have to ask ourselves if so why. And when you thought it couldn't get any more stupid, when you thought you had seen stupid taken to the max, there's now a state in the union, it doesn't even matter which one it is, that if you will roll up your sleeve and get the COVID shot, they will give you a free joint. No, not a place to hang out. Yes, yeah, so they're calling it a joint. They'll give you they'll give you some pot, some marijuana, some cannabis, pre rolled. For your convenience. You roll up your sleeve, they roll you a joint. You remember when they used to tell us not to take drugs to be cool and fit in with others? Huh? Maybe they weren't so serious about that after all. Um, I just want to kind of put a perspective with you on this. And then because we've got so much negativity in those segments, I have one of the most inspiring success stories you have ever heard out of the TSP community. It started here a couple of years ago. And it involves names you know and probably names you don't know. And one couple, one of them I believe, I don't think both of them came here, but one of them came here and where they went next after they came here to the workshop I believe in 2018 if I remember right. But I'll read the email to you. You talk about a payday. Emails like this are my payday. They're my big payday. Knowing that people have actually made their lives better for what we teach and for the community we've built. Um, then I have a very sad story. And an example of a true disaster. In closing a hole, I've left fairly open. There is a type of insurance that some people, certainly not all people, but some people should have. Turns out this guy had it. And I have mentioned it before. But this is a terrible situation anyway. But without this type of insurance, it would have been far worse. Next... I want to talk about the unspoken dangerous reality of, of gain-of-function research on viruses. Um, I'll say a little bit about the fact that, well, once again, I believe that the coronavirus was leaked by accident, most likely, from the Wuhan lab in China. But why, if you even took COVID away, COVID should just make us like go, Hey, maybe we should pay attention to this. But we're not talking about the real danger of what these people are doing and how it makes no sense, the supposed legitimate explanation that they're giving for why they're doing in the first place. It makes no sense. Then, I want to ask you a question. I'm seeing a lot of excitement on the right right now. A lot of excitement. Old Kamala heals up. Harris, she went on down there to Guatemala and... She got heckled and, and shouted down and mocked and insulted in Guatemala. In fact, somebody held up a, a banner in Guatemala that said, Kamala, comma Trump won. Yeah, go home. We don't need you here. And the president of Guatemala said, you're the reason we have a border crisis in your country, not Guatemala. Basically, he told her to go to hell home. Now, she's in Mexico City. A lot of things are going on. Trump's giving speeches. We're already excited about 2022 elections. I'll tell you straight up, I think the Republicans will take the House back in 2022 and probably the Senate. Common for that power swing to occur. Things look pretty good if you're a Republican right now, as bad as they are. It's like the dark days. Except it's really not the dark days. It's like the middle of the night. Middle of the night, hold on for it. I'm sorry. Anyway, middle of the night, because we know what happens at the middle of the night. It stays dark, it stays dark, and then a little tiny bit of light starts to show up. Now, if you're waiting for 2022, there ain't no light showing up yet. But when you look at the watch, and it's like maybe 11 p.m., you know you're going to make that turn through midnight soon, and you're only on the way back today. That's power swings, they're normal. But it seems like there's a lot of cheering and a lot of belief on that side. And the words I'm hearing is the left overplayed their hand. They went too far too fast. Part of me really wants to believe that. Part of me really wants to believe that. Let me ask you a question. How many of you guys have heard, Your left, your left, your left, your right, your left, your left, your left, your left, your left, your right, your left? How do you move a formation of troops forward? Your left, your right, your left, your right, your left. That's how you do it. Is that what's going on here? Is it actually all going to plan? And is believing that you're winning actually more dangerous? That's what we'll anchor with today. So it's going to be a really moving around, shaking up, exciting show. Before we do that, let's go ahead and hear from our two sponsors of the day. Sponsor day number one today is JM Bullion. You know, I am bullish on cryptocurrency. We're going to talk about cryptocurrency today, but I keep hearing people, whenever I talk about cryptocurrency, well, I think we should buy gold and silver. So do I. Why not both, in the words of the Taco Bell girl? Of course you should invest in gold. Of course you should. Duh. You know, these are these are long-term proven assets. The question is, if you're going to buy silver and gold and you're going to do it online, where do you go? Well, if you're smart... And if you listen to the show, you probably are. You go to Jam Bullion. And there's a bunch of reasons why. Number one, their prices are just as good as anybody else out there. They're as good or better. So you don't want to pay more for the same thing. The whole point of buying an American Silver Eagle is it's an American Silver Eagle. except buying a Wilson Basketball. If it's available at, you know, Target and Walmart, you buy it from the place where it's cheaper. Because it's the same thing. Right? You don't pick the store because of the color on the door. You pick the product because of the price if it's the exact same product. So it's over and gold, that's the entire point. Now, the other thing you would do is you'd want to do business with a company that if there's ever a problem, you have a recourse beyond, you know, some CSR do doesn't know their own name. Well, I haven't had to do this for a very long time. But if there is a problem, I can directly email and get responses from the president of the company. So you got that. Then, I mean, if you were going to buy silver or gold and you could get a discount on it, well, you'd want to do that because no one gets you that. Jack gets you that. I get you that if you're an MSB member. And, I mean, on top of all of it, you'd want it to ship for free, but that doesn't seem like it's going to happen, but it does. That's right. All your orders at Jam Bullion ship for free. Check them out today. They have an amazing selection. Uh, they have really helpful people if you need any help. You can get a discount. They take good care of you. They've been with us for eight years. Eight years. And like I said, I haven't sent an email to Michael over there in a very long time, but I can if I need to. That's good to know. All right, so let's start digging into this. I want to start off with uh, this quote by Daniel J. Borston, who, again, was a historian uh, best known in the 1900s, uh, 20th century historian. He once said, the greatest obstacle to discovery is not ignorance. It is the illusion of knowledge. There is so much of that in today's world. If we look at something just like the Wuhan lab leak theory, it's completely reasonable that if a person was told something like, hey, these Chinese people are kind of strange, especially some of them, more backwoods types and Chinese rednecks, you know, and they eat bats. Sometimes they don't even cook them right. And this is a bat virus. And there's this thing called the wet market where people buy weird shit. And, uh, some Chinamen went down there and they bought this bat and they ate the bat and they got this disease and now it's going from person to person. It's, it's reasonable that if that's all the information that you have, that you would say, well, that's really bad news, but, uh, Okay. I mean, yeah, I guess. I mean, most of our viruses that have plagued humanity are zoonotonic viruses. They've come from animals and they've made a leap from animal to human. Uh, smallpox would be an example of that. Uh, many forms of influenza, you know, start out as either avian or, uh, uh, you know, there's swine flus and things like that. So it is a history of this. Okay, that that, that seems, I guess, to track. But if somebody told you, well, Right where this wet market is just down the road a little bit is a laboratory and they do research on coronaviruses. Now, if you were not using ignorance as a shield, you'd say, now wait a minute. (laughs) Let me get this straight. So this laboratory does research on coronaviruses from bats and now this City is the epicenter of a breakout of coronaviruses that they say came from bats, but they say it's from a wet market where a Chinaman ate a bat. Now you might say, well, okay, hold on. Both of these things are possible. But then when somebody came out and told you there is absolutely no way this came from a laboratory, it's impossible that it came from a laboratory. If you were not using ignorance as a shield you'd say wait a minute no th- th- this does not make any sense saying you don't know saying we think it's most probable one or the other but it's impossible only days into it you would have like that should have set off alarm bells but it didn't for most people it didn't for most people now as as time went on and you know citizen journalists did their job Because um, mainstream journalists were so sure that Trump had the liar cooties that they couldn't bother to investigate it themselves. And you found out something like, well, turns out there's only one lab in the world that we know of that does research on bats and coronaviruses. And by the way, they do gain-of-function research there. Now, even if you don't have a deep understanding of -of gain-of-function research, it kind of says what it is. Like if you have an IQ, you know, in the mid 80s or higher, you should understand what gain of function basically means, even if you don't deeply understand it. So when you heard that, you should have been like, well, you know, maybe it is a natural occurring virus that mutated, like they said, but I'm kind of tipping the scales toward this this lab probably. You know, screwed up. And if you understand that human beings make mistakes and not everything's done 100% perfect, and there's a track record and a history of viral researchers in laboratories using every precaution under the sun and still becoming ill from the viruses they're researching, at that point you would have probably said, We probably should look into this. Now, if you were if you had your foil wrapped real tight, you might have started screaming Chinese bioweapon and they're distributing it with five G and they released it on the world intentionally and you know, all of those things are probably still worth looking at. But if you were looking to quest for knowledge here, and you were looking to start with the best, most reasoned logical hypothesis, it would be the Chinese probably screwed up working on these viruses. For some reason, which we'll leave till later in the show, whether it's to use it as a weapon, uh, to understand how to eventually use it as a weapon, to predict eventualities and get ahead of the curve with vaccinations—I mean, there's a there's a bunch of reasons it could be in there—but the most logical way this thing became what it became is they were screwing around with it, and somebody messed up, got sick, left the building, and spread it to somebody else, and you would have started from there. And if you could disprove that, if, if if the investigation didn't pan out, you'd look for another explanation, or an additional explanation. This did happen, but why did it happen now, would be where you would go. That would be looking for knowledge, right? Now, all of that starts from a position of ignorance. I guarantee you, if we go back to December of 2019... The average American didn't even know what a coronavirus was. Didn't know that many of the common colds that we have are versions of coronavirus. Didn't even know that SARS-CoV-1, which they just called SARS, was in fact a coronavirus. Didn't know, in fact, that MERS, the Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome, was also a coronavirus. The average American didn't know any of these things. The average professional probably didn't know much of this. Even people that were doctors... They knew, I'm sure they knew the cold was a coronavirus, but they didn't know any of these things about bats or whatever, because like we didn't really deal with SARS, which is interesting. Plenty of people got it, but it didn't escape and get out into the wild, almost like if it's a natural occurring mutation, it doesn't have quite the virulence of something that was engineered in a lab. But you would have started out from that position of ignorance. But you would have also said, what do we know? What does logically track? And you would have began an investigation. And this should have happened for just about everybody in the world collectively should have been doing that investigation together. Even if it looked like they were on their own, there should have been a collective consciousness around this direction. Instead, what we had is about, I'm going to guess in the United States, 5 to 10% of the population that said, Hey, this thing, man, are you not really? You're going to just buy into this? And probably about ninety five percent of the people, even the ones that didn't go out and tape fifteen masks on their on their face and their intake vents of their car, oh that's a thing, believe it or not. Yes. There are pictures of people who put surgical masks over their air conditioner vents in their car. Right? So I'm not talking about the people that all went that crazy. Even many people that thought that it was overreach and we didn't need to overreact, they still bought into there's no way this could have occurred in a laboratory. And again, this, that declaration came awful early, awful fast. Well, that goes back to our quote. The obstacle to discovery was not ignorance. It was the illusion of knowledge. And I want you to think about that as we go through today's entire show. So I want to start out with, let's talk about ransomware. What is ransomware? How does it work? Are there any real world did any any company ever get attacked by ransomware and not pay the ransom people and actually figure out what to do? Well, Tom, who's my IT guy and I'm blessed to have him, said this in a comment about the last show where I talked about this, and then in a follow-up comment. And I think it's really important that we lay the groundwork with this. He said, "I think the most important thing to keep in mind here with these so-called hacks in that is that, first, they are not hacks in how the media wants you to think about it. Now, this is a guy that does this for a living. Protects a company from these types of threats, okay? I believe that more often than not, these are not targeted attacks. They can be, of course, but ransomware is typically spread using Trojans and viruses, typically via email, text, messengers, etc. For instance, I helped recover from an RYUK attack about two years ago, And what I found was that it got into our system via EMOT, which spread through an infected Word document sent via email. That email looked like it was from a known associate to the user and seemed legit. But that doesn't mean we were targeted. After we got it, EMOT spread itself by replying to emails already in the person's Outlook. Sadly, this person was still on Outlook. So a bunch of our contacts got what looked like real email from us we contacted the we contacted the company we got the fake email from for all intents and purpose and they confirmed that they got hit before us and the virus replied to a bunch of their contacts to spread itself so while the narrative of russia is hacking our critical infrastructure sells ads it probably is very far from the truth and because of how these things spread it is almost all from a front office that gets hit because that's where the email client and web browsing lives. Critical systems typically or should reside a layer to remove from there. And I said in my response to his comment, I'm going to put this on the air this week. He said, cool, but just to add on a bit, the ransom was never paid. We never contacted them or anyone else. We simply nuked the machines and pulled backups three straight days. What wasn't backed up, we rebuilt and didn't cry about it. We just learned from it. That's life on the Internet. There are, of course, things you can do to mitigate and limit your exposure, but at the end of the day, the last line of defense is the person sitting in the chair. Sadly, those people are typically pretty ill-equipped. They just had backups. They dumped the system and had to rebuild three days' worth of data. I'm going to say it again. They just dumped the systems, pulled from backups, and rebuilt three days' worth of data. And then I want to again, I want to explain this, and I, I, I hypothesized about this last week, and I have now confirmed my suspicions. When the oil pipeline was hacked, nothing, the critical systems, the critical infrastructure, nothing of that, none of the process automation, right? Like when a valve is supposed to be adjusted or none of that was hacked. There was absolutely nothing hacked. You won't even use that word at this point. That was related to the critical operation of the pipeline. Nothing was going to blow up, no valves were going to be open to spill oil out into the, you know, into the pristine wilderness of the Arctic refuge where it doesn't run anyway. Nothing like that. Their accounting was hacked. Like billing, accounts receivable, accounts payable, payroll. That's what was hacked. Front office, kind of like Tom knows what he's talking about or whatever. Turns out the meat processing plant, uh, there's no plant hacked. Again, it was their accounting that was hacked. And I'm going to tell you that the way this shit works is the person behind this ransomware is able to tell who they got. That's when the demand and the amount of the demand and how to pay it comes. Because this same shit happens to people individually all the time as well. I'm just saying. It's something we need to understand to understand what's going on right now with this narrative of the Columbia Pipeline and the FBI getting the money back that doesn't make any sense. You need to know that. You also need to know this, and I'm not going to get into it deeply, but... You need to understand how Bitcoin basically works, and you need to understand how impossible it is to guess, to brute force attack, etc., a private key as it relates to a public address. So... Bitcoin works with two parts. There's other things too, but when it comes to like controlling a Bitcoin or a thousand Bitcoin or a half a Bitcoin, it all works with you have an address. The money goes to this address. The Bitcoin is not really money, right? The crypto asset known as Bitcoin resides on this address. This address is public. This is the address. If you want to pay me, I give you this address. To actually move that money around and do anything with it, and this will operate on the back end in a wallet, you need a private key, okay? Uh, And the private key is 32 characters, I believe. I'm sorry, 64 characters. And they are 0 to 9 and A to F. So those are all your options. You have A through F and 0 through 9. And... I can't even begin to say the number of possible combinations. I, you know, somewhere around a quadzillion, I run out of ability to 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 figure out what's next. And I have an article for you that talks about the total possibility number of Bitcoin addresses and the total possibility number of private keys. And I don't want to read it. I don't want to get too technical, but to kind of drive it home, if all of them were Evenly distributed to everyone on earth they took every one of them that could exist and you gave all what eight billion nine billion people an equal share of them I still can't say the number that everybody would get if you if you here I'm going to read this little bit out of the article for you now let's take a look at something we have much more of earth than people for this visualization we're going to use grains of sand according to a study done by the university of hawaii there are two to the 63rd grains of sand on all the beaches of earth combined Uh, that's about nine quintillion grains of sand now imagine that each grain of sand on earth is another planet earth and that those planets also have 7.76 billion people living on them Now when we divide this with the total number of possible Bitcoin addresses, each person would get 3.5 billion Bitcoin addresses for use for themselves. That's how big the number actually is. Now that's the addresses, not the private key, but they kind of correlate fairly well. If every grain of sand was an earth, and every earth had the same 7 billion people, and you gave it to all the people on all the earths, each person would still get three point five billion Bitcoin addresses. And again, it, it 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 relatively corresponds to the number of private keys that exist. I can't I couldn't find an article on that decide, but you can read this for yourself and get a good understanding of it. And so it's really important to understand that that the, the odds that you would be able to if I gave you a Bitcoin address, guess, surmise, hack, find the private key to go with it are almost insurmountable. The only way you theoretically could do this is if you knew the exact party that you were dealing with in the first place so that somehow maybe you had hacked their wallet, their device, their communications, so that then you could know. Uh, somebody proposed the idea on Gab of a sister chip. Well, this would work if you knew the device that shit was being done with. Right? So, how does this relate to the Columbia Pipeline now that we understand how companies deal with ransomware attacks all the time and what they do to deal with it? The fact that the Columbia Pipeline was not hacked the way you were led to believe and that none of the shit that actually made the oil go through the pipe or come out the other end or controlled flow or anything like that was hacked. None of that. That it was all about front office stuff. And that there are Quintillion, gazillion, bazillion possibilities for both addresses and private keys, but we would only need the private key here. The claim being made today by the United States government is the FBI got their super serial hacker counter hackers, and they, they had an address that $2.3 million of the $4.3 million dollars worth of Bitcoin, and there's there's an unknown in there. When exactly did they get the money sent to them? And when exactly did the FBI get back? Because it might be a lot more than it sounds like. So it sounds like, well, they still got off with $2 million. If you ain't been paying attention, Bitcoin's price has been coming down. I believe there's a piece of this in that, by the way. So what I'm saying is, if you had $4.3 million in Bitcoin a little while ago, Today, if you had the exact same amount of Bitcoin, you have a lot less, significantly less, from the time of the Columbia hacking. And it seems like they paid the, the ransom fairly quickly. The skeptic in me also says, 4.3 million. Who? What? Now, they may have asked for a specific number of Bitcoins, and it just turned out to be 4.3 million, because there's a variable moving target there, right? Um but it just seems odd. Like a ransom attack on something that size, you'd think they would just 4 million, 5 million, 4.3. It seems odd in the first place. Just odd. It's, it's one of those things that I don't believe in coincidences that way. Like there's a reason for things, and that's odd. But what we're supposed to believe, because the think of the image. Now, now you know more than you did. Like, because we've, we, we've worked on the ignorance problem that we all have with things that we don't know about until we do. But you should now understand how ransomware works a little bit better, how Bitcoin works a little bit better. Now, what we're supposed to believe is these super hackers. I mean, these are state-sponsored. They're Putin's own, for God. Or at least he knows of them. Nothing happens in Russia without Putin knowing about it. He's all-knowing. He's he's omniscient in Russia, right? Um They were so sophisticated, they were able to target the Columbia Pipeline. Hmm, I might have targeted a bigger one with more money if I could do that. But So that's what they were supposedly able to do. You know now that's probably not how that happened. Basically, they throw something out and see who's dumb enough to pick it up. So then these super hackers got the money and put most of it on an address and left it there in bulk. And the FBI, according to the article I've linked to today, knew the private key to the address. Wait a minute, wait a minute. How? If you have a sophisticated hacker, possibly state-sponsored, something no American corporation could be asked to stand up to on their own, Because they're Putin's, you know, demons. Does that make sense? Wouldn't you, if you were one of these hackers, go, hey, we got the money, guys. Let's start breaking it up in little pieces all over the place so it's not sitting as a target. Wouldn't you move it, 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 move it? Wouldn't you try to exchange it into something else? No, you just have, like, most of it. And that's their word, most. So, again, the 4.3 down to 2.3... It could be almost all of it. The the monetary number is not... Nobody's told you how many Bitcoins it was. That's interesting, too, that no one said that. Hmm. You you think they just leave it there and they would put it... What did they do then? Did they put it on, like, freaking Bitrix or something? Because, like, it is reasonable to me. This is why we say don't hold your crypto on an exchange, that if they had this money deposited into an exchange... There could have been something going on there where the feds had access to the private keys. Because not your keys, not your coins. So that means the bad guys never held their keys. Their keys were held by a third party. Well, that doesn't make sense either. Not with super state-sponsored hackers. It doesn't make any sense at all. There's a couple possibilities here. Because I believe that the illusion of knowledge is the greatest obstacle to discovery, not ignorance. So we have to look at multiple possibilities. One possibility is these super hackers are a bunch of morons that bought a script and lucked into one of the biggest possible paydays ever. They had a lot of things automated. They picked a random number out of their ass And they did have the money sent to like a Bittrix or like a Can't Think of the One Out of South Korea or something like that to an exchange because their plan was to immediately convert it to something else and get rid of it. That's a possibility. Doesn't seem very likely. A stronger possibility seems like this is all theater. This is some sort of something that we would refer to as a false flag. Now that, that term gets thrown around so much I think it's almost lost all meaning like tartlets. But much like the Wuhan lab leak theory, if you understand how ransomware works, how companies traditionally deal with it, the improbability of ever being able to pin a private key to a public address if the person on the other end is remotely technologically skilled Is 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 infinite to the the counter, but if you know, if you know who the counterparty is, then this is doable. So you get back into almost like a nine eleven conspiracy therapy conspiracy loop, right? Did they let it happen on purpose, or did they make it happen on purpose? Is it a sting gone bad? That's ha- see. There's another possibility, right? That it's not really false flag. It's more like a sting gone bad, like a fast and furious. The, the the FBI is repute with attempted stings that went bad. They were supposed to catch the guy, but the guy got away, right? Including somebody with some explosives one time that they caught in a basement or parking lot. Or what do you underground parking lot? You don't know about that. Look it up. Look it up. I mean this is something that's, see if something's happened before it's likely to happen again and then there's a posturing going on here that I find to be asinine even for a government agency what, what if you read this article it says it over and over again different people in the government are saying we're going to make sure they know that we can strike back and there are consequences to doing this there's consequences to it. now let's just say that they got away in the end because they got 2.3 million back. went out. We didn't have that huge of a drawdown in Bitcoin in that timeline. Let's say it was a million dollars a drawdown, and the bad guys got away with a million dollars. How did you hit back at them? What have they lost? We won't be bringing charges against them because, well, you don't know who they are. You say Russia, 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 but there's no guarantee they were in Russia. Something this idiotic, could have been bounced through 50 different proxies and it could have happened, oh I don't know in the basement of the FBI and look like it's from Russia, especially with our guys doing it because as incompetent as some of our people are, when it comes to the technical aspects of things and forensic countermeasures in in a digital world, we have really really badass MFers on our side or their side, however you want to look at it. This doesn't make sense people This doesn't make sense. No matter how you look at it, the narrative being given to you is a lie. Now there's, like I said, my gut is full false flag, and I'll tell you why in a second. But there are other options here, but none of them involve the government being honest with you about what happened here. And all of it serves to send this message. (laughs) <laughs> Bitcoin's not secure. Bitcoin's not secure. We can get your Bitcoin. That's what it serves. That's that in the end is the thing they want you to come away with. Bitcoin the government can take your Bitcoin. Good luck. Okay, now. Let's let's move on to another reason that I don't believe these hacks asking for Bitcoin are legitimate anymore. If I was a hacker, and I'm not that smart when it comes to this stuff, guys. I know I know enough that I know more than most people, and I'm still a moron compared to people that know what they're doing, okay? But if I'm a hacker, and I'm going to lock up your computer network, and what I want from you is money, and I want you to send that money to an address, and I want to be able to spend that money, because that's why I wanted to. I didn't want the money for like, so I could brag about it. I don't want to take a picture of, of, of digital balance and make a plaque out of it and show it to my hacker buddies, right? I'm not doing this because I get my yah off when I do it. I want money. So the problem with that is you get Bitcoin, and that's now what you, that's like poison Bitcoin. Any exchange that's playing above board is going to not let you exchange it on their exchange. It's going to get flagged. It's going to immediately lock your account. Now, we're going to come back to how that might have happened here, but you got to be stupid for this to happen. No. What you would do, if you were one of these bad guys, you would want a coin that's private, by default, and you'd want a coin that's highly liquid. You would not want pirate. Pirate's not highly, highly liquid. There's only a few places you can go with it. You would want Monero. It is the most liquid privacy coin that exists. The feds have hacked it. Not the way they've hacked Bitcoin, okay? So you would you would say, here's the Monero address, and the, your, your mark might say, "We well, don't understand it. You better figure it out or you want your shit turned back on. And they'd figure it out. It ain't that hard. There's a lot of exchanges you could buy it on. And they'd go buy $4 million worth of Monero, and they would send you that. And then you would just ping-pong it three or four times, and start dumping it in small amounts on exchanges all over the world, and convert it into something else if you decided to. And you'd go on your way, and you'd have your money. Now, guys, if a redneck hippie duck farmer can figure this out, super serial sophisticated hackers in Russia that live under Vladimir Putin's pool, right? They got a bunker under Vlad's pool, right, at his mansion, right? Because he knows everything that's going on, so that's where he keeps them. You got to be kidding me. You got to be kidding me. They're going to ask for Bitcoin. In 2021, they're going to ask for Bitcoin. We had people that say, I I took and I went on the dark web, you know, meaning Tor, and I did business in Bitcoin There wasn't even illegal. And then I put that Bitcoin on an exchange and they locked it six years ago. No, this doesn't make any sense. None of this makes sense. So, either you have the most incompetent so-called hackers ever that maybe bought a freaking, you know, roll-your-own ransomware and screwed it up, right? Or you've got a sting gone bad. Or you have incompetence after the fact in trying to use an exchange that flagged the crypto, right? Right? Or, here's one more option you have. It is what they say. God, I don't believe that. But they took the crypto, they sold it to an idiot, and the idiot put it on exchange. And then they got it back from the exchange. I mean, there's something not right here, and I leave it to you to go from here. And I'd love to hear from anybody that knows more about this than me to tell me more about where maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I have a lack of knowledge. Because I'm trying to, I'm trying to really take the heart what I let off with today. The illusion of knowledge is freaking dangerous to discovery. All right, so um, just one more quick segment here before we turn toward something more positive. Um, if you thought you'd seen all the stupid that you could possibly ever expect that you would see, I, I have an article for you. I don't want to go deep into this. I want to talk about it more from the macro. There's now a state. I won't say what it is, because if you really care, you'll, you'll read the article. You can go look it up in the show notes. Where if you go get your vaccine like a good little drone, they'll give you a free joint. Yep. Free doobie. You can fire up and blaze up. Now, look, um, I got no nothing against anybody that wants to partake in cannabis in whatever form they choose to. As long as you don't let it control your life, it's not something like you wake up in the morning and get stoned, spend all day stoned, go to sleep stoned, wake up in the middle of the night to get a little more stoned before you sleep the rest of the night. As long as you're not doing that, I don't really care. I think it's, it's, it's a fairly harmless substance, uh, when used responsibly. So if you want to smoke a joint, you go ahead and you smoke yourself a joint. It's not that expensive in any state where it's legal, where the state can hand it out to you like a, a trick or treat at Halloween. You can just go down and get it. There's better ways to acquire it than having a shot. And I'm only speaking to people at this point on this subject that still haven't gotten the vaccine. So the way I look at it, if you wanted a vaccine at this point, you've had it. There's enough availability of vaccinations right now, except... You know, kids. I, mean, I won't even get into that. i telling parents what to do with their kids, but just don't. Um, but any, any adult that wants to have been vaccinated by now has been vaccinated. And there's nothing I can do for you, and I hope nothing bad happens to you if you're one that's already been vaccinated. By the way, if you go to the CDC's own website, VARS, and you pull the database and you look for vaccine reactions... You'll see over 4,000 people have died after receiving the COVID vaccine so far this year. And someone's going to say, those people would have died anyway. I'm just telling you what it says in verse. 4,300 deaths, I believe, last time I pulled the data. So if you haven't gotten the vaccine, then you are who is being targeted by. We'll put you in a lottery. We'll give you a donut. Um, we'll give you some dope and you can have a beer. And there's a bunch of other shit. I want you to think about this for a minute. just want you to think about this way. Let's roll back. Rewind, right? The year is 2018. It's June of 2018, same time of year it is right now. Jack Spirigal gets on the air and says, the next major outbreak of a virus that we're going to have, they're going to rush a vaccine through. They're going to say it's a vaccine. But if you go look up the technology they're going to use to develop that vaccine in a filing uh, with the FTC for a public offering from the company that makes it, it will say that it's an experimental gene therapy, that this is not something you can be subjective with. Uh, you, You can't argue about it. It says in black and white in Moderna's filing it's an experimental gene therapy, page 19 of the filing. Look it up if you doubt me. And they'll tell everybody they need to get it. They'll rush it through in less than a year. They'll get a vaccine out in nine months with it. And then, once it becomes widely available, for a disease that doesn't have anywhere near the death rate that they're going to make it out to, they're going to start incentivizing people to get a vaccine. They're going to tell people, we'll give you a free donut You get a vaccine. You might believe all of that. You know? When the donut ain't enough, they'll have lotteries. Some states will have lotteries for a million dollars, Anybody gets a vaccine, goes in the pool, and we draw one person, and somebody gets a million dollars. And, you know, we'll throw some free beer in, and just to put the icing on the cake, we'll offer you a doobie to get the vaccine. If I would have told you that, you'd have said I was absolutely crazy. And you know what, if I would have said that, I would have been like, dude, I'm sorry I was high yesterday. I don't know where I got that. I, I I, don't know. I must have been. And if somebody told me that, I would have said they were crazy. You're looking at it. You're looking at it. You're looking at the government attempting to bribe you with dope to get what they're calling a vaccine that is an unapproved, emergency-authorized vaccine. Gene therapy that doesn't even prevent the disease that a vaccine is supposed to prevent. It supposedly makes it less severe if you get it. And if you have side effects to it, you are on your own. Your insurance company will not cover them. Go listen to the stories of people who have had severe reactions to this. The government won't cover the government will give you the vaccine for free but they will not treat you for the effects of the vaccine. We have nurses being fired and threatened for reporting side effects and adverse reactions, told not to put down any adverse reactions. We have these people come, what do you think they're coming forward and doing this because it's not true? They're ruining their careers because it's not true? They're risking everything because it's not true? So, I'll just say, at this point, people that took it early on, that didn't know, whatever, thought we were all crazy. Now you got Fauci's emails dumped out. You know so much more than you did before. From this moment in time forward, where you have a state offering pot to people to get a vaccine. If you get this vaccine from this day forward, and you have adverse reactions to it, I have no empathy for you at all. None. None. Because clearly you went this long without doing it. Clearly anything that you already believed that made it possibly dangerous has now been proven true. And I don't even know what to say. But if you doubt me, go to the show notes for today's show, 2888. Look it up. Get free pot, free cannabis, free marijuana, call it what you want to. Little Mary Jane... Roll up your sleeve, we'll roll you a joint. All right, moving on. I wanted to give you something good after all that. This is really good, too. I mean, this is, um, wow, I mean, this is from Karen. And Karen says, she dates it June 8th, 2021, so this came to me just this morning. Jack, I started listening to you last summer. I'm a CPA in the electrical cooperative industry, and basically I'm a city girl. My children all hunt, but I never have. I want to say thank you for your guidance in this past year. We were planning on buying a house in July 2021 because that's when our lease was up. We moved back to Texas in June of 2019. You said get out, get out, and get on land is going to go up. I made an offer on 18 acres while I was at your workshop last November. We closed in December. Broke our lease and moved to our property in Dodge City, Texas in January. The rent house was leased the next day. The people I met at the workshop were awesome. I found a place where I wasn't the weird crazy Karen. Nick Ferguson came out and created a permaculture design for me. It's amazing. Uh, Chris, the architect, came out and designed a lean-to that Nick recommended. Steve built me two... These are all people... You know, Nick is Nick Ferguson. The rest of them I'm going to leave on a first-name-only basis because I don't know they want their names released publicly. Steve built me two rabbit cages that Nick's designed to go under the lean-to. I called Michael and bought two does and a buck from him. Under his supervision, I processed a rabbit on his property to make sure I could do the deed. We also bought two laying hens and five little ones to start laying in August. We ended up with three roosters. I processed the mean one on Sunday. I can't overstate the wonderful feeling that I can do this. The confidence that I'm gaining that I can take care of myself and not have to rely on the system is life-changing. I started using your COVID protocol and increased my vitamin D to 30,000 I use a day. I've only had one cold last three days since I started. I'm 58 years old, and I'm on zero prescriptions. I also take uh, six tablespoons of four-hour colostrum a day. I've learned how to pressure your can. I now can bone broth, soup, and stews. It's wonderful to just pull a can off the shelf and have supper ready in five minutes. I'm eating fantastic convenience food instead of breaking down and ordering pizza. I'm learning about herbal medicine. I've started candle, uh, uh, canning elderberry syrup. I've made echinacea tinctures, fire water, and fire water oxmel. I buy from ButcherBox and love it. We got the generator you recommended. It saved $400 and started storing our own water and gasoline. When the weather hit two below zero in February, we came close to losing water, but I didn't have any worries because we have a Berkey system. I bought 40 fodder trees and some nut trees and a few other bushes from Nick. He showed me how to plant trees. I've never planted a tree in my life, and now I've planted over 60. I'll propagate them and feed my animals with food grown on my own land. I won't have to rely on inputs from outside my own system. Michael's building me two rabbit tractors and a chicken tractor. I bought two lambs from Steve. They're being processed now, and I plan on adding quail to our little homestead in fall. I'll have still Steve build the cages and buy live birds from him. The network I'm creating now will last a lifetime. I plan on adding sheep and goats to our system in a couple years. I don't want to overdo. I just want weaned eight kits and rebred one doe. The second doe just delivered six kits. I plan on keeping two females. I just bought another buck. By October, I'll have four breeding does and two bucks, eight laying hens, and quail breed for meat and eggs. Uh, usually Friday or Saturday late afternoon, I make myself a couple of margaritas. Go down to the lean-to and watch the rabbits and the chickens. They make me laugh. I just let go of the pressures from work and life in general. Wildlife is Finding your podcast has literally been life-changing for me. I found a community that I fit in. I'm making connections with people that I trust. I'm learning and growing every day. I cannot find the words to express my deep-felt gratitude, so I'll just say thank you, Karen. Wow. Wow. Um, first of all, no, Karen, thank you. Thank you for living that life and then sharing it with all of us. And thank you for doing so many things with that amazing network of people that you rattled off there. And when I tell people to come to a workshop here, if you can find the time and if you can get in the door, Because it's transformative. I think a lot of times people think that I'm talking about what you'll learn by being here as in what the instructors teach you. No, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the integration of the most amazing network of people that I've ever had the pleasure to be part of. And that is a fraction of the people that are helping each other in this community. And next, those emails like that, and I don't share them all. Sometimes i been specifically asked not to um, because people want certain things to be private. They're the biggest payday that's ever come out of this. I've made good money, but money's never made me feel the way reading something like that makes me feel. To know that I've had that big of an impact on someone's life. And that more, the people in this network have had that impact. And that all these amazing people are here bound by this common ideal. And they all have their own path as to how they found this group of people. And the most amazing thing about that to me is that I know that one day when I'm gone, it might not even be called TSP anymore. But those networks upon networks upon networks, all this work will outlive me. I said several years ago at a workshop, we were doing a panel discussion, end-of-day panel discussion, and one of the audience members asked, what do all of you most want? And what I said I wanted was immortality, but not the way that you would think. I want to know that what I've done up till now and what I'll do until the day they put me in the ground won't stop after I'm gone, even if no one knows my name anymore. Even if no one mentions me, I want to know two or three generations from now that a child will learn something like how to take care of rabbits, and if you trace back the knowledge, it will lead back to TSP. And when I get emails like that, I know I'm not done yet, but I've already succeeded. So thank you, Karen. Um, I also like to fix things. When I've I've left a hole in something, I want to plug that hole. So I want to share this other email. And this is from Aaron. It's called My Own Survival Adventure. Jack, starting out the new year, I was riding higher than ever. Business was booming. I had a new child on the way. I just bought a new farm in eastern Oregon. Life was good. On the morning of March 7th, I woke up and read an email from my business partner of nine years and my best friend asking me to secure our office that Sunday. I immediately called back. His phone went to voicemail. I jumped in my truck and raced for the office, wondering what the hell was happening. Upon entering the office, I saw a sea of file folders and sticky notes along with his computer and phone. He had neatly laid out everything that he knew I would need for the business, his wife, his parents, his children. He had decided to end his life. Justin and I had started this construction company with $10,000 we scraped up in 2012. We worked our asses off over the last nine years and developed a business that is now doing over $15 million in revenue annually. We built the business to be resilient enough to not only weather the next downturn, but to thrive coming out of it. We were debt-free, all the excavators, dump trucks, real estate, everything. We were supposed to be retired in five years with enough money to do whatever the hell we wanted. It was right there. This is hands down the biggest disaster of my life. I would have never in a million years thought this would happen. We spent so much time and resources prepping for whatever life could throw at us. I just never thought we were prepping for this. As it turns out, all the stored fuel, food, garden, generators, ammo, solar panels are useless in this scenario. The thing that's made this transition manageable is engineered resiliency in every aspect of life. The resilient mindset and planning that you teach has pushed me to go forward while others are telling me there's no shame in calling it quits. The business will be fine. I'm still on track to achieve our goals. It will just be different now. A few things that have been helpful or learned in this. Don't carry debt. Have cash reserves to support whatever skill of operation you have. Invest in assets. Cut liabilities. These can be people, habits, or systems. Make yourself more of an asset. Invest in yourself. Knowledge, skills, health, nutrition, fitness. Find ways that you might be a liability yourself. Stay in the company of people you respect. Earn the respect and admiration of those around you. Teach and tell others what they mean to you. I responded to this, and you, there's not much you can say. Um, I said, first, I'm very, very, very sorry. It also shows... I should likely do a segment on key man insurance or at least life insurance held by a company in the name of all key employees. They're really two, they're really the same thing, but there's actually a policy type for it, but not everyone will qualify. And he emailed me back and I was very relieved to hear. He said, "Thanks, I should clarify, we did have key man insurance. It was just inconceivable that this is how it would all happen. The business will continue to thrive." And that's the whole that's the whole that I want to close up here um and it's it's hard to you know talk about something technical like this when you hear somebody going through the emotion of this but there is a an insurance product called key man insurance and if you are going to be in a partnership or even if you have key critical employees you need to think about this and the smaller a company the bigger the loss of one is one person, right? So if I have a small company and I paint houses and I have, you know, two partners that do all of the, you know, the real business operations and then I've got like five guys that paint houses and one of them dies for any reason, I don't mean to sound like I don't value their life, but if I need another person that paints a house, I can run an ad and have somebody in a week that will be able to step right in and start painting houses. If I have someone that's skilled at doing estimates and sales and marketing and things like that in a painting business that is the the hunter that brings the next week's worth of work in so I can feed everybody and I lose him, that's a lot harder. If it's a technical company, you're talking about somebody that knows something like self-learning algorithms and computers, which is one of the businesses that I was part of before I started doing this, we really need to think about what we do if that person dies. Because while this was a suicide, and that's such a tragic thing for any human being to take their own life, any one of us, any day, can die. And the way we know that is we all will die. Hopefully, most of us will die in relatively good health and just go to sleep someday when we're old as hell and it's just time. For most people, it doesn't work out that way. And for a very large number of people every year, it happens in a tragic way. While there's a lot of suicides, there's a hell of a lot more deaths by accident and deaths due to criminal activity. So we can get in a car one day, happily driving on our way to work, have all the safety equipment a new car can possibly have, follow all the traffic laws and do nothing wrong, and as we're going through that green light at an intersection, a huge gravel hauler truck, a 10-wheeler, Loses breaks, doesn't pay attention, whatever, and slams us. You're dead. And just like it can happen to you, it can happen to anybody else. There's a certain you know, fatalism that we have to live with or we can't be sane. We have to accept that these things can happen and probably won't, plan for them as best we can, and then we have to just go on with our lives. You can't run around afraid you're going to die all the time every day because you'll probably create a self-fulfilling fa- uh, prophecy at that point if you do. But we do have to accept that it can happen. And when you're in a business and you have people in that business, where where you answer this question with, I don't know, what would you do if tomorrow they just disappeared and didn't come back? If you don't have an answer for that question, and I mean a cold-hearted answer to that question, like I would hire another person who does that job, then I'd go cry, right? If you don't have that kind of an answer, that person needs to be insured for far more than it costs to employ them right now. Because you might need two people. You might need to buy your way out of certain contracts. You have no idea what it means when that person's gone. And for all of the entrepreneurial talk and everything, I don't think I've ever really hit on key man insurance other than occasionally mentioning it. And so this is a real world of example of where it may very well save the business long term and keep the business on track to be that five-year exit plan that, um, that Aaron has. And in this case, again, incredibly tragic with the suicide, but as mortal beings we can check out any day. And there are also insurance products that will cover things like incapacitation, not just death. And I'm not talking about disability insurance for the individual, but for the company. There are insurance products like that. And and the more size and potential loss a company has and the more you rely on somebody, the more you need a good insurance agent to match the product to your needs because Let's say that you had a life insurance policy and held by the corporation as the beneficiary of a key employee in the company, and the guy got hit by a truck, but by some miraculous level, he didn't die. And the company had a death policy on him. And he's never coming back. He's been irreparably damaged mentally and physically. He's going to live in a wheelchair for the rest of his life needing assistance. Tragic. But if that company employs 50 people, and he really can't be replaced, what's more tragic is 50 people losing their livelihoods. So make sure you fill that hole in your business. And I know I'm going to hear from somebody someday that's going to say thank you for me saying that. All right, the last thing I want to talk about today, though, real quick, just a real quick segment, is on this idea that the left overplayed their hand. And I'm thinking this is going to be one of those things that it could be it could be true and false at the same time. Um, I, I, I actually feel, on some levels, but I'm very scared of this feeling, that the left did overplay this. That there is... And, and I, what well, I called it before the election was the Biden gambit. And I said, you know, the thing about Trump is if you vote for Trump, you know what you're getting. You know exactly what you're getting if you vote for Cheeto Dictator. You know exactly what you're getting. He's the devil you know. Joe Biden, you think you know. But there's two Joe Bidens. There's a Joe Biden that was vice president under Barack Obama and a senator for decades that was by and large a middle-of-the-road Democrat. And then there's the Biden that you're hearing from today that chalk it up to mental deficiency and being a puppet or actually having changed is talking like an extreme progressive. Open borders, you know, endless welfare. Like I mean, just like not the Biden that America thought they knew. And that, that meant that you had in the left a, a fairly split party that were both betting on the Biden they wanted. You had the super progressive, you know, wokeista leftist squad types and further left than them that thought, oh, wow, we're getting a super duper progressive And you had a lot of people that just were not comfortable with Trump and angry over the pandemic and angry over a bunch of things. But would have probably stuck with Trump without the pandemic, but said, Biden, we know Biden. It'll be kind of like Obama light. And that wasn't that bad. And one of those two groups had to be getting screwed. Like you couldn't get both. Those, those groups are as divergent as right and left as we think of it in this country. So it was a gambit. When you bet on Biden, you were betting you were in the half of the left that wasn't going to get screwed. The surprise, if there was a surprise in this gambit, is he really does appear to be a tool of the woke left at this point like Barack Obama's going, holy shit, wow, huh. people thought I was a leftist. I'm just a regular old Marxist. Look at him. Wow, look at you go, Joe. Who would have ever figured it out? And that means that you do have your centrist Democrats, your people that broke Biden, and, and, and at the same time, since they broke Biden, many of them broke um, Democrat in, you know, president coattails type situation where they went ahead and voted for the democratic Senator. And they like that. <sighs> I think that the midterms are going to be bloody for the left. And, and it was like the election with Trump. I t- said, Trump is a shoe in to be reelected unless COVID crashes the economy. COVID crashed the economy. Trump lost. And I know Trump won. L- look, look, my feelings about the election are this way. There was absolutely fraud in the election. Who really won? I don't know. I don't know. My instinct is Trump could have won. My instinct is if you actually forensic audit everything, you might find out that somehow Biden barely won. You might find out Biden last bet. I don't know. I can't claim to know. Anything I say like that is a belief. It's not knowledge because... Everything was covered up, and we haven't actually been able to see, and we haven't actually taken any of these things seriously. And we had people pulling suitcases out from under a desk, counting ballots in the middle of the night, and the same people who screamed for four years, Russia hacked the election, Russia interference, Russia, 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 Donald Trump's not legitimate, said, oh, nothing to see here. And somehow all the courts didn't just not rule in Trump's favor, they ruled there was nothing to do. Talk about undermining confidence in a quote-unquote democracy. I don't know how anybody can say that in this country anymore without like their head exploding. Um, yeah. You add that, and then you add Biden just basically completely opening the border. I know he said he was going to do it, but I'm going to tell you that a shitload of people who picked the Biden gambit is the way they were going to go in the election. He's not going to do that for real. He's just saying that so we can get the Bernie people to vote with us so we can get rid of Trump. They're not happy. They're not happy. Kamala is a disaster. Her cackle, I mean, everything that made her get less than 2% of the vote in the primaries is now in everybody's face every day. Well, why don't you go to the border? (laughs) I don't really... (laughs) No, (laughs) like. Well, she has this, like just maniacal laugh that seems very common with female powerful liberals by the way whenever they're put into a corner and they really can't give a good answer they laugh Hillary did it all the time Heels Up is just the worst example of it so they've got that they have a recovery in the economy but everybody expected it so you don't get many points for it it's kind of weak compared to what was expected Gases through the roof. This pisses people off. All construction materials through the roof. There's a lot of people that want to build a new house, buy a new house, I can't do it. Whether it's, and It doesn't even matter if it's Biden, because I'm going to get from some Biden fans, that's not Joe's fault. It really doesn't matter. There's a lot of shit that the people in this country believe, like surgical masks prevent the spread of a virus, that it aren't true, that you can show mountains of evidence against it, and they still won't believe you. When shit like this is going on, and you are the president, you get the blame whether you deserve it or not. And then when you're doing all this crazy shit, when you're out saying, you know, the CDC says if you got vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask outside, and you're riding a bicycle on the freaking beach with a mask on, you look like an idiot even to a a fellow mask-tard. Like, there's so much wrong here. There's so many pissed-off parents... 1619 Project. I mean, it just keeps going. I feel like there's going to be a major bloodletting in the midterms. I don't know who your next president is. I don't think you get a Biden second term. And he's now said, he's reneged on what he said initially. I'll probably only serve one term. He's already announced, hey, I'm not, I'm not going to be a one term. I'm going to be completely gone by the time I'm gone. Right? I won't even know what my favorite ice cream is anymore. I'm going to stick around that long. Harris would be a terrible candidate. Look at on the other side. Does Trump really want to be president again? Maybe. Does it make sense? You know, you can look at people like DeSantis. It's a long time since we're hearing election. I don't know. But I do think you're going to see an incredible blowback from the right. So, does the narrative that the left overplayed their hand make sense? As long as you don't think it means you've won. Because what did I start out the show with? your left your left your left your right your left now keep it in step your left your left your left your right your left one two three four two three and four one two yeah yeah pardon my cadence not being that good i've been out of the military for more years than i was alive when i got out of the military at this point but that's how you move troops First the left foot, then the right foot, then the left foot, then the right foot. You don't go hopping down the street on one foot. Moving society progressively forward in the United States toward a goal requires the dichotomy. That's why it exists in the first place. It creates the illusion of freedom. And my fear is that there's actually a plan for this. That The left accelerated their next step because they were handed a gift in the form of a a global pandemic. There was no way in hell the Democrats were taking the White House from Trump in 2020 without this pandemic. And up and until the point that they had chosen Biden, they had no plans for it. They never thought it was going to happen. If you didn't have Biden hiding in the basement for the entire time with the excuse that he had, and the press completely on his side and you had a booming economy last year, this wouldn't have happened. So, what do you do? You get as much done as you can with the four years you have, when this would have been the time that, honestly, you didn't want power. This is a terrible time to hold the White House. The best thing you could have in this period of time, if you're the left, is Trump in the White House. Now, I mean, with the pandemic I'm talking about and control of the House and the Senate. That's the best case scenario for the the, the, the Democrats, and it would have given them uh, just a massive on-ramp into 2024. Now you got this really weird situation. Shit's going to get way worse before it gets better. You're going to lose the House. 99% of the time, you're going to lose the House in this situation if everything's good. It almost never happens that a president takes over from the other party, and doesn't lose the house in the midterms. Go check it out. It's been a while since it did. A long time. You figured it out for yourself. But I still think that what you're going to have is this big celebration by the right with no understanding that the boat is still heading to the same place. It's still heading to the Great Reset. That you're not winning and the reason that's dangerous is because people get complacent. If you want to see it, go to a gun show. I used to love Texas gun shows. Man, Barack Obama was the greatest thing that ever happened to a Texas gun show. Ever. I mean, that guy was the gun salesman of the year. Now, just the guns were getting bought, what I'm saying is when you went to a gun show, it was like going to like a party. Like, you ever been to like a big event, like where you got speakers and everything, there's like thousands of people there, and there's high energy and you're excited about going and all, but when you walk in the door, you feel the energy. Like, a, like almost like a, a rock concert and you're on the stage type thing. Have you ever seen somebody like Garth Brooks when the crowd's just screaming? And you can see he's like he's like absorbing the energy like it's a drug. Have you ever seen that, that video of him at Texas Stadium doing that? Like you don't get that, but you get the same thing, just less of it. You know what I'm talking about? You've been to like a sporting event. And it's all, all, man, our team's going to kick ass today. And, like, there's just a it's like an electricity, an excitement. When Barack Obama was president, no shit. That was a Texas gun show. You know, 20 rows of tables, hundreds of feet long each, two sides each row. Huge building. I mean, multiple football fields inside the building. Barely able to get through it asses and elbows to pass by people, excuse me, excuse me, everybody's, you know, everybody's polite It's a gun owner, just of course a habit, but this energy, my buddy David and I, we went to uh, a gun show between Christmas and New Year's, it's usually a great time to go to a gun show here by the way, and uh, Trump had won, but he wasn't even in office yet, it hadn't even been sworn in yet. It was like going to a bar and you thought it was Wednesday for ladies' night and you walked in and it was actually Thursday. And even before you look and see, there's hardly anybody there. Music's playing and all, but it just sounds different. You just get this feeling of like, ugh, there's no one here. That's what a gun show was like immediately after Obama got thrown out of office. No one gave a shit. Look, bah, we're good now. I'll just I'll just wait to buy that next gun. And even when they went, people that went, they're just kind of walking around looking. Nobody buying nothing. When you think you've won, you can become complacent. Now, I'm not saying that means everybody should run out and buy a bunch of guns. What I'm saying is, when your side's out of power, you tend to act with a sense of urgency. When your side's in power, you tend to act with a sense of complacency. That's one of the reasons the midterms are always so bad for an incumbent especially the first time around because his people feel like we won so they don't show up and the the other side feels like we got to do something so they have a sense of urgency left you're left you're left your right your left you're left you're left you'll left your right your left i'm telling you it's the same game over and over again it's the same game and that's why i teach So much about building your own life, like we heard about from Karen today. Because no matter who's in power, you're better off. And the power apparatus, the pendulum will shift left to right, left to right, north to south, east to west, call it whatever you want, it doesn't matter. Because the people that have been running the show from the very beginning know full well that it is much easier to lead people to slavery if they go willingly along the way and shine their own change as they go, and that they need to have the illusion of choice to do so. It's the same reason you go into a department store, you go to the women's clothing section, it's an entire damn floor. There's only 10% of the clothing in there that any woman will ever buy. The other 90% is necessary to sell the 10%. The illusion of choice. The illusion of choice. Just keep that in mind and work on your own life. With that, let's wrap things up. I want to remind you guys, as always, you can help support the show and the work that we do if you do your online shopping. Where? Tspaz.com. That's right, T-S-P-A-Z, Tspaz.com. Just go there whenever you buy anything before you shop online. As long as you start there, you'll help us out no matter what you buy. Today's item of the day I brought to you last year. They're made by a company called Dr. Slick. I guess there's some other uses for them, but this is really a tool for the fishermen. They're like a pair of forceps, if forceps were built like a tank. I mean these things are heavy duty. They're about twenty bucks a set, and I know you can buy th- three plain Jane cheap, you know, first aid style forceps for like nine bucks. So you might wonder why. Well I've carried them for a year now. I've taken them to the beach for long duration surf fishing, which just destroys salt water and sand messes stuff up. They're still like a dab on them. I used them yesterday fishing for catfish at a local farm pond. Or a local park pond. Um, I have a video in the review. Uh, I, there's a Zinger made by Boomerang Tool Company that I recommend. A Zinger's little thing that sits on your belt loop and attaches so you can use them and you don't put them down and lose them. Uh, if I lose a $3 pair of four steps, I don't care. If I lose my Dr. Slicks, I'm going to be pissed. Um, the only negative review that I found out about them, they're not just a four step, they're also a scissor. So they have the clamp and the scissor. It's a micro serrated scissor. And people said they're fine for cutting mono and fluorocarbon, but they don't cut braided line. I, I don't know what kind of mental midgets they're trying to use. I don't know what they're doing. But I was like, I bet you if I pull a braid against this and cut it and put some tension on it, it'll cut. And it did. And then I was like, well, maybe it's they're trying to cut it loosely. So just look at the video. <laughs> It cuts braid like butter. I don't know. I don't know who these 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 people are trying to cut braided line with these things, but they work perfectly. They also have a little tool on them that uh, cleans out the the eye of a jig head. A little paint that gets over a jig eye. And they got a little flat tip screwdriver on the back of them. They are a fantastic tool. If you're a serious fisherman, they belong in your kit. And I love forceps for getting hooks out because. You can get the forceps attached to the hook and then reposition the fish or your hand to be able to extract the hook without killing the damn fish and pulling its guts out. Far better than you can usually with pliers and things like that. Anyway, Dr. Slick scissor clamps, item of the day. Remember, you'd always know the item of the day before everybody else does because these things sell out often um, if you're on the Telegram channel. So go to the Get Social page on TSPC, I'm sorry, the SurvivalPodcast.com, click on Get Social, and you can learn more there. that, with that, let's talk about our song of the day today. Today's song of the day is we continue on with uh, Sammy Hagar for the rest of the week. It's a song called Halfway to Memphis, and this is like a road song, your typical, like, hitting the road song. It's just vague enough, though, that you're really not sure what our character is doing. Is he running from himself? Is he running from a relationship? Is he running from a situation? Is it all three? You're not sure. But you know he's trying to get away from something. And he's trying to get away, at least in some way, from himself, which you cannot do. But in the end, he realizes that he is his only answer. Sammy Hagar goes from kind of dark and hopeless. Almost Oprah Winfrey here. Yep. And it's a great song. Halfway to Memphis, Sammy Hagar with Aspen Jack Spearfield, with another edition of the Survival Podcast.